You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we are excited for another podcast as we're going to dive head first, neck deep. Full body. We're full going body. in. Full body, yeah. This is co- going to be a very detailed and very uh, informational podcast about habitat management and the whole, uh, all the numbers that are involved with Food plots, native vegetation, and all things habitat management. So just to forewarning before we really get in, I would get an aerial of your property. I would get pen and paper and be ready to take some notes and really just, again, get the backstory, the, the understanding of what all it is that we prescribe, why we do it, and it'll make sense as you go forward with implementing techniques that we talk about on the podcast on your place and understanding why it is you should do what techniques you're choosing. And again, this is a podcast about what is it, Adam? Habitat management. And prioritizing what habitat management techniques you're going to be doing and what makes sense for your property. And I think uh, we're going to say some stuff that could be somewhat uh, put you on your heels. I think of uh, of my hometown preacher growing up. He'd always say, now I'm going to be stepping on some toes today. Don't <laughs> um, make you uncomfortable. Today is one of those where hopefully we're not stepping on your toes, but hopefully we're kind of maybe doing the glass shattering, opening up your eyes of, oh, okay. Education. And, and all this comes from of course we are a habitat management podcast and it's one of those things um, that we think about pretty much every day i probably think of some something habitat management and uh like this morning matt and i are midday today we're in here recording this podcast this morning we were out hunting it's coldest day of the year it's 10 degrees we sat in the stand and i found myself not really even focused on trying to find a deer but more focused on what is this place going to look like in five years, ten years, fifteen years, and uh, and it's all just of the the amount of habitat work that's going to be going on there, and how much more beneficial the habitat will be for the wildlife, not just the deer, but the turkeys and the quail and everything. So and and what's going to take to get there too? The process. Yeah. You know, and once it's there, what do I have to do to maintain it? Yeah. All those thoughts. And and so that's kind of what stemmed this whole that we had a couple emails come through last week. Um, it's getting that time of the year to where deer season may be wrapping up. Guys have filled their tags or the rut's over, and now it's kind of the you're starting to focus, okay, when season's wrapped up, what am I going to do? What can I do on my property to make it better for future seasons? What can I do that's going to be the biggest bang for our buck? And, and one of the biggest questions is I need you to help me prioritize the work that I'm going to do. 
Yeah, a lot of times, because there is so much information out there, whether you're reading articles, blogs, watching videos, listening to podcasts, you have so many different techniques that you're like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I think I could do that. But then the question becomes where, when, and, and how. Like, I'd love, I'd love to do some, some cutting and, and do some herbicide treatments on some plants and invasives or whatever, but when? How should I attack that? And that's what we're hopefully here to provide. But today is is kind of, again, that backstory that leads into this is why you should do it. And I think, like you said, it's a great time to talk about it because I'm sure there's some people out there frustrated by a tough season that they may have had um, and not seeing many deer or not harvesting a buck of their their. Some people, you're sitting across from one of them. (laughs) You know, this is the first full fall that we've spent hunting um, the family farm and the Prairie Hollow property. And and we knew this going into it. That was kind of the whole creation of Atlanta Legacy was like people are going to get to follow along in the whole transformation of these properties. And we're going to go from years where we, hopefully it's not many years, but it's years where we may not film any tags. And then we're going to... Hopefully in the future, it's going to be a, wow, there's a lot of deer here and there's a lot of people filling tags on these places. So look at, I remember five years ago when they didn't do it. And that's kind of where we're at is, okay, um, what's the future going to hold? And to me, I think of, you know, you're, I'm 12 or I'm 15 and it's like, okay, I've mowed this many yards. This is, this is prior prioritizing this summer. I've mowed this many yards and Chad is spent this many hours at the swimming pool being a lifeguard and this is how much money we have to devote to the property it's not much but where can we spend it yeah and 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 in the early days it was in the food plots because that was like the immediate results that was the one where we could go out do it and in one month we could see our hard work pay off you could see deer actively feeding in it using it and and if you had a trail camera you know at nighttime you would be able to see it and hunt over, which is, that's such an appealing thing to do, but is that your best option with the resources that you had? Well, that's kind of where the story goes, is the first couple of years, it was, oh, this is awesome, but the antler size, body size, the amount of tags punched didn't really increase. We were seeing, we were making more observations, um, but during the fall and hunting season, it wasn't like we were holding the deer anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and it was kind of this, okay, well, let's look, let's look at improving the timber. And when we started opening up the canopy, cutting out some trees, and then the big component was to prescribe fire, things really started changing. We started getting that early succession and cover. We started having more cover on the property. We started keeping the cows out of the woods and then it was like, okay, we're really getting somewhere. Um, and now we're at that forefront to where when you look back 20 years ago and we didn't kill much we didn't see much and now we flat fast fast forward to today we're seeing a lot more we're killing a few more but it's not what our end goal is there's still not many quail there's hit or miss seasons we're in one of those missed seasons because of the drought and hopefully five years from now we can look in there and say almost every single year we're consistently making these observations tagging more deer seeing more quail having great seasons and, and that's kind of the end goal. And I think it's important, like we've talked about last week, like that's that's how we visualize success, seeing those improvements. For some people, it might be as a hunter, 
to go to Kansas and hunt public ground and kill a good deer with a bow. Some people might be go to Kansas, hunt public ground, and kill one with a gun. Or someone might say, I'm sticking around, and I've got four different farms I hunt. I just want to see some, see some deer, tag some does. If I get a chance at a buck, that's a successful season. But if you're into habitat management, this is going to be really, really good and, and allow you to sit back and say, those are my goals too. I share the same mindset, and I want to get to a point where when I do the work, I'm going to see the results that I desire. And, I, and you know, I think that's kind of the, the difference between the first, going back to my point about the food plot, was seeing the immediate results, and then we started doing the timber stand. We're starting to see long-term results. You're starting to see a change that lasts for multiple seasons. And then a prescribed fire sets that back to where it's just resetting the clock to where we get three more years of success. And, and Well, just and, think, think this morning where we were at. You guys had done TSI in that area. Chad had, I know at least, and, and many, many years ago, now you're staring a timber harvest in the face a few years out. Yeah. Whereas if that hadn't been done years prior, you probably would have delayed that timber harvest even further. Yep. And that's income for the property that it can, you know, and beneficial um, habitat created. So, for sure. you know, it, it's, it's those long-term things that the work you do really makes a huge difference, whether it can be seen that year or 10 down the road for sure now let's go ahead and start kind of into this and here's the bubble that we can burst first thing that is is almost we flip a coin to see who's who says it so that person can fall on the sword but yeah this is divert all questions comments to adam (laughs) yeah so here i'll say it um when we look at this and we're looking at habitat management and this is something that's kind of uh it might it might step on some toes, including my own. Um, but when we look at habitat management and we're looking at property and trying to improve it, and, and oftentimes I hear this of, well, we, we really do a lot for the deer, and I hear two main things, but these are really kind of things that are hunting strategies and not necessarily habitat improvements. And number one that I hear almost all the time is food plots. If you're mm-hmm. looking at food plots and saying that that's your form of habitat management, that's really not a form of habitat management. That's a hunting strategy. Habitat management is much deeper than that. Yeah, what you're doing is taking something out of its natural state and then making it more attractive to be able to hunt over. Yeah. And and again... Yes, that it changes the habitat, and they still use that habitat, obviously, because it attracts deer. However, in in a natural mindset of looking at the habitat, it's it's a hunting strategy. Yeah, the habitat is what they walk through to get to your food plot. That's the habitat, and that's what we're talking about managing and manipulating. When we I guess another reason why we say that it's kind of it's a different category outside of habitat management is because, you know, the layout and the arrangement of where you're doing your habitat work and that and a food plot placement is really really important. Like it's it's just different. It's it's not the same as going in and doing TSI work or doing prescribed fire work. Food plots are great. We do them. We use them every single year. However, technically, it's I wouldn't say it's it's a 
a form of the of habitat management in light of other things. For sure. And another one of those being minerals. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. seems like uh, people put out minerals and food plots, and that's their version of habitat management. But it's it's just another attraction, basically, to get pictures of. Yeah. And and, and that kind of goes into well, well real real quick. I, I don't want people to say. Well, dang, guys, you just hurt my feelings. No, no, no. It's not. It's that's not the point of of making a you know the statement. It's to say, hey, there's more that you can do, and more th- things that are going to get you to the basically the point to reach your goals that you're wanting to achieve on your property. That's what we're saying here. Let's dive in. Let's let's educate, and you guys can jump on and hopefully do some of the same techniques. Absolutely, and, and that's not saying that we don't plant food plots and we don't put out mineral uh, where it's legal. Uh, I say that with the mineral because there are a lot of counties where you can't put that out here in mm-hmm. Missouri. Um, and, and states we, now, we, yeah. we definitely do that, um, but we don't look at that as being part of our habitat management. We look at that as being part of our hunting strategy. Correct, correct. So, and that goes into thinking back in time, and this is something that I find myself reading and looking into more and more as I, as I, I guess I get older, but, um, looking back pre-settlement, pre-European settlers and saying, what was it like before? Um, and, and then you hear the numbers, Matt's got them on his notes over there, but you hear the numbers of the amount of animals that were living across this the, region the country. Oh, man, and, it's and, and just a country. And it just is mind blowing the amount of animals and species and the and uh, it uh, if you were to ask me one time to say like you had the opportunity to travel back in time or travel into the future or travel to a far away you could go to mars if you wanted to i know where and when i'd go i would go to lewis and clark oh, era and be yes. like all right or even just prior or just just in front of lewis and clark probably I think they were 1806 or something like that. I would probably so be, then, so then people I'd be in, right at 1800, and so I'd be going west to say, I'm the first guy to make it to the Pacific. It, it'd be it'd be Keith and Di instead of uh, yeah, Lewis, Lewis and, Clark. and Clark. That's yeah. right. No, that's the exact same like era that I would love to go back and see because of just like the untouched diversity, the landscape, the animals. Watching how all that works would be incredible. And... The numbers that we're going to share, like we know now this is not realistic because of, you know, development, urbanization. However, they provide a lot of great insight to to what we're going to get into later on. And that's the habitat side of things. So in 1890, 1860, I think, if you're looking at the buffalo, I think that's you got a nine. You just (laughs) it should be late 1800s. 30 to 75 million buffalo roamed North America. Yeah, during the 1800s. I remember when I wrote that down. I looked up two different things. Oh, so, gotcha. Um, 1860. Eight, no, that's okay, just okay. Eight, during, during the 1800s, gotcha. during that time frame, right before pre-settlement. They yeah. estimated there to be 30 to 75 million buffalo. And a majority of those buffalo focused around the Great Plains region. Right. But they stretched all the way. But they stretched. They had them in Virginia. I, I read a story this morning. Yeah, where uh, Washington shot one in Ohio. Yeah, George Washington. Yeah, Boom. and that and so, that was in. That was later on. Yeah, yeah, but um, 
think about that now. If you're in Ohio, can you imagine Buffalo being present there? If you're in Virginia, can you imagine that being present? And then that's, and, and that's the other thing. Think of how large those animals are and what, how much food they consume on a daily basis, yearly basis. That's a lot of stinking animals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a bunch. Not I, think, I, I read somewhere where I think we're just over 90 million cattle in the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. Or in 2014, something like that. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's just not too much. That and that's a majority throughout. Like that's Florida, of course. That's was, throughout the country. Mm-hmm. The buffalo were really. I mean, they stretch across the country, but their main focus the was main, in the, the Great heart, Plains, right, yeah. of their range. And so that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. And then uh, and I have it, something. How many? How many elk were there? Well, yeah. During that same time frame, there's addition to that 10 million elk pre-settlement. Yeah. So again, that's another large mammal. Making a living here, North America, and on top of the buffalo numbers. And then we're not even talking about deer, mule deer, moose, Quail, moose. everything. And and keep in mind, that's how many were were there with grizzly bears all the way across Predators, the plains. Predators, wolves, and everywhere. There wolves was wolves were, in every yeah. state except for Hawaii. Yeah. Which, so, is, which is nuts. Which yeah. is nuts to see how, how much things have changed. It, to me, the, when you look at the ecosystem... I think of one word, efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was so much, and, and, and it all goes back to me, to basically the one concept of diversity. Uh-huh. Diversity and everything occupying a specific niche. Yeah. And they had their roles. Each, each animal had its own role in what it was supposed to do, and that basically complemented the Another ecosystem. Animal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For example, the bison, or today the cattle, complement the quail. Mm-hmm. Same thing was true with with uh, bison and yeah. quail and grouse and everything back in those days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we we flash forward and look at Yo, okay, take me obviously, back. obviously, take me back. <laughs> obviously, we know buffalo are, are there's very few. They're still here, but very few. Um, there are elk, and there's restoration products to move them back to the kind of the eastern states and the Appalachians and such. But right now, today, they estimate 30 million deer. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. And then you, I, I think of like again back to the the how much those deer weigh, and how much basically the carrying capacity of North America has changed. I think to how back often in the pre-settlement I hear of days. people saying, my deer is starving. Like, there's yeah. nothing for them to eat. Yeah. And and yet, somewhere in time, we had 30 to 75 million buffalo. Mm-hmm. What changed? And, of course, habitat did. Wasn't food plots. <laughs> yeah. So people stopped planting them darn food plots. Yeah. <laughs> and the buffalo went away. No. Everything that they were living on was just a native diversity mm-hmm mm-hmm again that complemented every every different every season had something to offer and it wasn't just you know a monoculture of a crop field or or what it may be or it wasn't exposed brome yeah it wasn't. wasn't tall fescue yeah so it wasn't soybeans and corn <laughs> <laughs> we we say that and share those numbers to get the realistic idea of the the changes in which the country has seen, the landscape has seen, and what it can hold. And what we're then going to dive into is talking about different types of habitat 
and what each one of those that most deer hunters see, face, and come in contact with throughout a season or, or throughout their, their hunting career, what each one of those types of habitats, habitats, what each... <laughs> yeah, that sounded weird. <laughs> what each habitat produces on an annual basis when it comes to food. Yeah. And then then we get the backstory of, oh, now I should be focusing on this or, hey, my property is really, now that I look at that and hear those numbers, really inefficient. Uh, and I need to do something. If I, if I want to improve my hunting, I need to do something. I think of back in those days, all those animals we just talked about, and it was prairies, diverse prairies, diverse oak savannas, diverse woodlands. Um, here in the Ozarks, we had huge diversity on glades, and all those were very efficient habitats and ecosystems. And now we have crop fields, pastures, but most of those being monoculture, crop fields, monoculture, pastures, closed canopy forest, monoculture forest of pine plantations. Cedars. Cedar thicket, monocultures. Yep. Everywhere you look, it's, we. I mean, a majority of where we look is a monoculture of some sort. Think think of your, your area, your neighborhood, wherever you're at right now. Look around and think, okay. That that place, that farm, or that pro- person's property is really, really well managed. When I say well managed, not produce, don't just look at the deer it produces or, or that or just live there or whatever on, on a yearly basis, but look at the habitat. Do they have different age timber? Do they are they managing the timber? Are they are they leaving field edges in old field management? Um you know, doing a edge feathering, are they doing, uh, oh gosh, uh, I guess not protecting, but um, respecting floodplains. That's another yeah, one that we haven't really touched. Riparian areas. areas. They're huge buffers. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what their job is to do. But are, are, are people doing that in your neighborhood? I think of, you know, when I think back of, of properties I've been on and, and what the management is like versus places that the management isn't ideal i think of and it almost is very vague but you know it when you go to these places but it's either you just make the phrase man your farm is alive Mm -hmm. and we just toured a farm with my friend steve freeman who's a fantastic cattle farmer and huge on diversity and and rotational grazing and basically tries to manage in nature's image and here he is and his farm's just alive Yep. And by that, we mean there's bugs flying around. You hear all kinds of birds chirping. You jump quail. You see deer. You see turkeys. There's cows grazing. It's just like there's so much going there's on. There's activity everywhere you look. And and then you go to another farm that's, let's just say my farm, mm-hmm. my family farm, and you go there, and it's kind of like you hear the distant call of a crow. <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> like, where's the next round bale? Yeah. And... And it's just nothing. It's like you're going from basically a living farm to a dead farm. There's just not mm-hmm. much activity, and that's what I think of when I think of sound management and, and a habitat that's that's sound of sound management. Is there's a lot going on, and and that's because of the diversity and the carrying capacity of not just you know not just deer, but what it what that habitat can support in in songbirds and species from that weigh an ounce 
for several ounces to several hundred pounds or a thousand pounds with cattle. Like there's so much diversity within his farm that it has to be alive because yeah. it's so attractive to so many and, different things. And when you think about that, let's just break that down in a food chain aspect. The amount of diversity increases the amount of diversity in the insects. Mm-hmm. And the diversity in the insects brings in a diversity of bigger insects. And and all those insects, different species of those, bring in birds and rabbits and rodents and all kinds of other small game that's going to predate on those smaller insects. And then there's other predators coming in to prey on the rabbits and the rats and the and the birds, yeah. like the quail. And then it just goes on up the up the ladder, up the food chain, to where there's diversity. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when there's a monoculture, you don't get that diversity that brings in insects, that brings in the small game, that brings in the middle-sized game, that brings in the everything else. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just the, the chain ecology and how everything works and functions as a system. But if, if you're minimizing a system by, by having monocultures, your results are going to be small as well. And when I say monoculture, like if you have unmanaged timber and it's all one age and it's all way out of reach for deer. And a majority one species. Right. Even if it is, let's say it has 30 different species in that timber, but they're all the same age. Yeah. It's still not serving a a purpose. A great benefit for the, the wildlife. So you ready to start saying some I'm, numbers? I'm ready to dive in here. And, you can uh, tell we're passionate about that because yeah. that went t- 15 minutes longer than we expected. <laughs> That's okay, though. That's okay because it, it prefaces and, and kind of provides the importance behind these different types of techniques. And that's why, you know, when someone says, hey, what should my priority be? It's like, uh, well, I haven't been to your property or your neighborhood. I don't know what it looks like. And this is why hopefully this podcast is going to be empowering. And as as we're talking about this, you should really be envisioning your area and your farm specifically. Get that aerial out. Start marking, well, this timber is kind of crummy. Um, I've got fescue here. Um, I got logged this timber back 20 years ago. Yeah, it hasn't been managed since. I would like to go, okay, here's, okay, total... Total acreage, 282 acres, okay? Uh, 105 is pasture, okay? Um, 64 acres is kind of oldish field, not really pasture, but it's open ground, not sure Transition what to do with Transition of pasture and old uh, field. We burn it and kind of graze it. It's got some natives and forbs and ragweed, and I don't know what to do with it. Um, kind of just get a total number of every acre. And okay, and yeah, when all that's done with the cows, we have five acres of food plots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you lay that out right now, you'll be able to see just how big of an impact you can actually have on your place by doing these management practices. So let's let's dive in. So that was all part of the plan to ramble on and let them ramble, figure ramble. out that out. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Give them enough time to be able to work. Yeah. So. As you're envisioning your property, I think as before we get into these numbers, we need to learn that a deer consumes, this is on average, for an average sized deer, consumes a ton of food per year. That's 2,000 pounds, a ton of food. 
from January 1 to December 31st. A ton of food. And obviously, that is such a huge array of species. You can have... What? That's not just food plot species? <laughs> no. No, it's not. I'm, I'm sorry to uh, bum you out there. But, I mean, it, it's woody brows. It's this, the, the forbs. It is some... You know, if you're in crop country, they obviously consume a lot of crops or have the potential to. Um, it's such a diverse... I think there's way over 300 different species and stuff that... this That, that number sticks out to me because there was a study, I think they did like... Stomach content. Mississippi or, State. Yeah. With that stomach um, content. I was thinking, how many times have you cut open a deer's stomach after harvesting it and, and see nothing but one species in it? Uh, probably never. Very rarely. If, if, if they have, there's probably something wrong. I think of those deer that are sickly that are just standing in one spot eating mm-hmm. nonstop trying to survive. And it, it's like uh, even, even when the acorns drop, it's like a huge flock to just white oaks, you know, or in this area. But there's still a, a large mixture of greens and other content material that are in there. It's not just acorns. They, they feed, you know, on their way to that white oak tree. And it's, you know, that's, that's because of their natural browsing um, tendencies. That's just what they are. That's just their nature. They're browsers. So we've got to... As we manage, keep that in consideration. Yep. That's why, again, why diversity is key. So, 2,000, a ton. Yes. A ton a year for each, basically, on average for a deer. Yeah. Yep. For that, yeah, single deer. So, when we look at mature closed canopy forest. Before you say that, so yes. whenever we're, you're thinking about that and you're thinking, okay, I want to have 75 deer on my property or whatever, be thinking about each one of those deer eating a ton of forage per year. That's where yeah. we're going with these numbers. And again, these numbers, when we say them, you know, we're honestly, we're sticking our, our neck out here a little bit because we don't want you to think that, oh, well, if I do this technique, I can have this many deer. That's not what these numbers mean. They're, we're saying them to be able to give you an idea of the impact in which this type of management can have. You're not going to have this exact number on your property. It's not going to support that because of the different needs um, that deer need throughout the entire year. That's a whole different podcast. But by increasing the amount of forage on your place, you're increasing the amount of deer that may be living on your place or that you're going to see during hunting season. Exactly. So again, these numbers are for the impact for you to be able to see or hear visually, hear visually, that made a lot of sense, hear the importance of these different practices and the, the state of which habitat can support. All right, mature closed canopy forest. That's that's everywhere. <laughs> so you think of mature closed canopy forest. That's a lot of places. We've driven across the country a lot in the last couple of years, and you see closed canopy forest in, in pretty Every much state. anywhere there's forest exactly. is closed canopy, it seems like. It seems like the oak savannas, the woodlands are... Have all closed up. Exactly. Because of not managing them and the lack of fire. However, a mature closed canopy forest will produce 50 to 100 pounds of food that deer will consume per acre per year. 50 to 100 pounds. That's sad. Man, let's just start adding that up. If a deer eats a ton of food, 
Um, man, we're going to have to, I don't want to, I don't want a property that's just relying on mature clothes can't be forced to be able to, you know, have us, that's very, um, productive hunting season uh, for sure. That's a lot of acres that are going to have to, that's a lot of acres of closed canopy forest to provide enough food to feed even a cup of, a couple of deer. Correct. Correct. And again, you know, a deer, and this is why like on, let's say a hundred acre piece, if it's just strictly timber there, a deer is not going to stay there and, and feed for the entire year. That the, that property because it's a mature, <laughs> trying to start up a chainsaw Whoa. over Whoa. there. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. like in in the early season, that the most productive time frame that that timber block, the hundred acre timber block, is going to be for deer hunting is most likely when there's a hard mass, acorns are falling, because throughout the rest of the year, what else is there to eat? Nothing. Woody browse. Very, very little. But and that's that's a mature closed canopy forest. So there's yeah, very little much. woody browse that can no. even survive because of lack of sunlight getting to the forest floor. So I think of I think of those pictures and even the place that we've been where it's just I remember when we first started burning on, on the family farm, areas that dad said he'd never remembered them being burned, and it would be like ten inches of leaf litter yeah. that you're walking across. Yeah. You ain't sneaking to a stand and ten into oh. the leaves. <laughs> and when we burned it, we we scarred a lot of trees because there's we so much material. To there burn. was so much material to burn, and we were like, "Well, you burn during the day. Like we could have we could have decreased the heat by burning at night when mm-hmm. the humidity's up." But yeah, uh, I just think of those areas where there's a lot of leaf litter for any type of vegetation to grow through, and very it's little a closed sun. canopy. So it was just like not a chance. And of course, that there's not many deer around those areas because there's not leaves. much food. Yeah, there's not much. And again, we know deer need more than just food. It's a security issue. It's cover, but a mature forest is not providing adequate cover. So this dog, we're we're doing a podcast <laughs> in Adam's parents' house because we're hunting. And they've got a dog in hardwood floors, and that's claws. I don't know if they can hear that or not, but it's, it's sure, distracting. It's I like, can hear it. That dog needs to lay down go to sleep. All right, so now if we were to look at a young forest, so a forest that is regenerating, maybe it's a mature forest has just been select cut or clear cut, and you're getting some young forest regrowth. Ready for this one? 1,000 pounds an acre per year is what that area, that acreage in that state can produce for food for for deer. Now, we compare that to a mature forest when it was 50 to 100 pounds per year. Wow, that's a big increase. Just because now you're putting food and cover back in the range in which deer can access them. What did you say? 1,000 pounds, so that's two, two acres to basically... A deer. Two acres of deer. Yeah, yeah. Now again, you're you're not going to have fifty deer on not, a, on a hundred yeah. acre young forest, but you're not going to have forty acres of twenty deer to live in on that yeah, property. Yeah, but that's a heck of a lot better than the mature forest at fifty to hundred pounds if yep. you have the same acreage. Mm-hmm. Now, young forest with prescribed fire. Ready for this one? Fifteen hundred pounds an acre per year, just by implementing fire and regenerating and managing that young forest with fire on a, on a three to five year rotation, you're increasing 
that areas that per acre food by 500 pounds each year. That's awesome. That's a quarter of a deer just by burning. And usually, you're, I mean, you're not burning an acre. You're typically burning larger blocks, 5, 20, 80 acres mm-hmm. at a time. Yep. That's increasing a lot. And, and honestly, putting a big stamp on things for production of, an, of a property. Sure. So if, if a person, we'll get into the food plot situation later on, but I think it's an important time to bring it up. If you've got 80 acres and two acres of food plots and you're focusing all your time on those two acres of food plots and forgetting about the 78 acres, if you were to have young forest and did prescribed fire, I don't, not, I don't have the math right now, but that's a big impact, a really big impact. You know it? Yeah. So I think that just go, proves the point a little bit more that food plots isn't the name of the game. It's a part of the game. And we'll go into the the cost or the average cost on a food plot because that's kind of the biggest when people talk about prioritizing and they focus all their money and time on a food plot just to manage two acres, Mm -hmm. probably less money maybe if they did it themselves. Like for us, we burn everything ourselves, so we're not Mm -hmm. hiring a crew, so it's really affordable for us to burn 100 acres. Oh, yeah. Um, And and if you're sitting there, well, I don't have – I can't afford to pay a crew. There's classes out there for you and your buddies to go get with get with five buddies who who want to burn their properties too. Go to a class, educate yourself. Obviously, start small, but get educated on it. Save the money, and you can do a lot. You can have a big impact on those properties just by learning to do it yourself. Yeah, run and a chainsaw. I, I, I think yeah, run a chainsaw. I think about the place where you killed Sticker Eight. Right now, what that prop, what that area. How it's transformed just by us going in there. It was you, me, Chad. We we each ran one afternoon. One we afternoon, ran two tanks of of gas. Yep, a person. So six tanks of gas in an area. It was probably acre and a half, two acres or so, right? Something like that. Yeah. And that area has transformed in its deer sightings, observations, the use, the amount of scraping activity that we've seen in there. Obviously, the hunts because you know you killed sticker eight, and every time we go in there, we're seeing deer. But that's that's a very small area that we changed and transformed, basically returned it to kind of that woodland issue. If woodland like habitat, there's still large mature trees, but um, there's young forest regenerating in there, and it's awesome. So don't so let's say if you want to change an acre, that's so feasible for your property. Yeah, and you're gonna and you're gonna change it from fifty to a hundred pounds of production to a thousand pounds by going in and cutting. Man, that's that's awesome to me. That's easy yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we've we covered young forest with fire, and now we're gonna go to old field management, and we've covered this topic before and what that all entails, um, and we'll have a link in our show notes as to what old field management really looks like. And, and again, this is just the very beginning of us talking about how it's hat management and products that you, you can be doing, you know, January, February, March timeframe. This is just the, just the beginning of these podcasts. So we're going to dive into these techniques more in depth. But when we talk about old field management and looking at the pounds per acre per year, in which old field management can supply. And really, this is a, a smaller window, too. 
when it, when we think of its pr- productivity for a food resource, not necessarily cover, but fo- food resource, it is three thousand pounds an acre that it can that it can produce. And again, these are all estimates. That's a, if you manage it properly, but that's a huge impact. Huge. Let's say if you have six acres of old field management, that's six times three, 18,000. That is nine deer that that would support right there. That's a heck of a lot. Six acres is a big impact when it comes to uh, just, so yeah, six acres for nine deer, that's big impact um, for, for deer when you're comparing that to a forest. Yeah. Really, any type of forest. Because you're not buying seed. Nope. If if something grows that you don't want to grow, you spray it. Herbicides right. fairly cheap. Spot spraying too. Spot you don't spraying. have to do huge bra- unless it just all comes back horrible. <laughs> but, Johnson grass yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, keep spraying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. And and it's really you're not buying seed. You're basically spraying or spot spraying in years to come and burning it. To right. help set it back. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Not much management at all. Disc a line around it, plant some weed or whatever, and you have a great fire break and let it rip. Done. Done, done, done. And it, it's again, it, it's easy and, to manage. And it's so and, and the great thing, what I love about old fields is the fact that during the summer months, it's providing all that forage to eat. But during the winter and the fall, it's also great cover. You don't see that much in the world of food plots of something that's a – fantastic food source but then also is a fantastic bedding area it's a double-edged sword when it comes to property management and that's why the layout of a farm is so incredibly important when you when you start implementing management that has such an important food aspect and cover aspect you have to have it placed appropriately to be able to hunt effectively and I, and that's why doing things from right from the start is important that's why I think a habitat management, we're trying to, in these old fields, we're trying to increase the amount of native vegetation that's going to provide forage, but also double as bedding area. And then we flip side that or include that into a hunting strategy. And we say, okay, we have all this, we have a five acre old field. Let's put in a half acre food plot close to that. So the deer aren't focused on just eating the food plot. They also have great forage throughout mm-hmm. the old field. And now as Fall progresses, hunting season opens up. I have this great bedding area tucked in right close to a food plot, and I planted something that's way more palatable during the fall yes. than what's in the old field. And that's yes. the part of, uh, really, that's kind of our whole makeup of of our consulting business is the fact that we think from a historical native standpoint and conservation, but then we have this hunting strategy involved with that to where we're improving it for future generations, but we're also making great hunting properties and hunting strategies with the layouts. With with basically time tested methods. I mean, this is this is what nature this suggests. Is the way, you know, this is the way God put it, minus yeah. the food plots and stuff. Yeah. We're just taking something and making it a little bit, a little bit better for tweaking hunting. her, tweaking a bit it. tweak. Yeah, but that's that's just recognizing. Okay, when old field management. Um, is beneficial in its in its different forms as a food resource during the summer. Again, that's three thousand pounds per acre that produces, and then knowing that oh my gosh, it's a good it's a good basically opportunity for deer to bed in in close proximity, and they're gonna do it. 
Yeah. And it's it's just it's incredible. Like, but but the dream for me, and we talk about this a lot, is to have a property. Let's just say somebody willed us five thousand acres, and we could have. If you're out put, there, yeah, put it put just, it in Landon Lacey's name. Just think about what we could do for you here. Yeah. We would love to set up a property with zero food plots, zero, and try and manage it exactly the way it was pre-settlement. And oh, yeah. Say, now, maybe even as far as have some buffalo running around on it, but it would be hard to get the wolves back. It probably wouldn't go over well, <laughs> so we would lose it. <laughs> and, and, and the elk and everything like that. I'd get some... I'd I'd weave me some moccasins. Get, <laughs> I'd learn how to shoot a longbow. Yeah, or or we go f- even further back in the Adelaide. Have, have yeah, you go. saw him comment and said, "If you guys ever need an Adelaide, yeah, let me know." Darn I right. almost thought about it. I'm like, you know, I just read about the the natives way back uh-huh. using Adelaides. Yeah, but anyway. So that's kind of one thing that we're like, well, wouldn't that be cool to have a a food plot or a, a property complete of no food plots, no no fruit trees of of basically erased were all non-natives. It was just straight natives, oak savannas, oak woodlands. It was just pre-settlement, pre-settlement hunting. And 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 then we go back and get- and and that's when you get to like when I think of you know people who are good woodsmen and they're successful because like they know they know a property or they know what deer need at a certain time time of the year and they just they kill every single year you know they're just they know how to get around the woods that is the time frame when those skills you're reverting really back to those skills no trail cameras you're just getting out there and you're doing your thing and it's just it's it's backwoods but the difference is back then they probably weren't hunting for a specific buck they were just hunting to kill they're hunting to put it over a fire if you weren't a good woodsman you sure had it you would you're you combated that with a really good horse and a, and you're at least a good shot off that horse's back as you ran him or back. a fisherman or you just yeah. stuck to the rivers. Yeah. No kid, or a trapper. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that anyway, not to get a little off track, but oh, well. that's kind of a little thing that Matt and I always talk about is a property erased of all food plots and everything tree stands. And you've got to do it the primitive way. Primitive. So here we go. Anyway, on food plots. Yeah. Let's let, let's talk about food plots. Those are the basically the, the, the four main different types of, of habitats that a lot of people, deer hunters, are going to face. The mature timber, the young forest, um, managed young forest with fire, old field management. Um, or or we haven't discussed it, but crops. Oh, yeah. Crops. You're going to see crops a lot, and we're going to get we're gonna into We're going to get into, here. yeah, exactly. So when we're looking at food plots um, and their productivity, and these are all, again, successful food plots um, that most likely aren't the— the quarter acre size, they're not the half acre size, they're, they're larger plots. Um, but a turnip plot, just turnips, is one and a half to five tons per acre in its productivity. Wheat, three tons per acre. Soybeans, three to seven tons per acre. Alfalfa, five to six tons per acre. Red clover, five tons an acre. And white clover, two to five tons an acre. And those are all dry matter yes. uh, weights. And all, we got those, if you're wondering, we got those out of the Quality Food Plots QDMA book, which I would encourage anybody who's ever even thought about planting a food plot to pick that book up. It's a fantastic resource. It'll be linked to our show notes as well. So if you need to find it, and while we're on that topic, the other source, another really good source, is the Managing Early Secessional Plant Communities for Wildlife in the Eastern U.S. That's a Dr. Craig Harper book. Yes. 
Um, those two books are just jam-packed full of information, and we pulled quite a bit of information out of those um, for today's podcast to kind of give to you guys. Um, anyway, keep in mind, whenever – what was soybeans? Five to seven? Three to seven. Three tons. to seven tons, and that's forage soybeans, tons per acre. Mm-hmm. And then we look at closed canopy mature timber, and it was – 50 to 100 pounds per acre, Yikes. there's a huge difference. And when you look at the size of deer and the health of deer and the body weights from Iowa crop country to southern Missouri or Arkansas, closed canopy, mature timber, no wonder they're it's chihuahuas and, and buffalo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's it, it, huge body difference. Major. And, and you just think about the fat from the deer we pulled out of Kansas. Mm-hmm. They're just eating so much quality forage with these crop fields everywhere. And then you look at the poor souls that are living on sticks and rocks in the closed canopy forest of wherever it is. But it doesn't have to be like that. No. It doesn't have to, to stay like that. And it wasn't like that. That's why we... That's why, <laughs> there's a chainsaw again. <laughs> but that's why we, we prefaced all this with what things used to be like. Again, this wasn't, you know... 100-year-old oaks that were, you know, the size of your thigh, you know, that wasn't what it was like when when the, the carrying capacity was huge for buffalo and elk and deer and whatever pre-settlement days. Things have changed, but we can go back to that. And if you want to increase your property's basically ability to be attractive and hold deer and feed deer on an annual basis, you've got to make a change. And these are the changes in which we use, we prescribe and again it's important to to know these numbers but then the relationship of how they how basically they're intertwined in a property if you lay it out correctly and how dear the resource that you want to capitalize on are going to use it by doing that matching all that stuff up now you've got something that uh that you can be really successful in harvesting great deer on so back to the food plots those are some great numbers you really just kind of bummed me out. That's why I got quiet. Why? <laughs> no. I was just thinking about the the difference in the habitat whenever we were oh, talking about yeah. that. It's just like, man. And what I was going to say was, um, you can go back, is what you said. I was going to say, we are going to go back, so mm-hmm. you might as well join us and go back with <laughs> yeah. us. Link arms and go. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It's just... To it's, me, go ahead. To me, it's fascinating to look at the... the we picked basically, what is it, six species... Red clover, mm-hmm. uh, white clover is Ladino and uh, Durana. Durana. They're basically very similar um, in the amount of tonnage, tons produced. Per, tonnage produced in an acre. And so we picked the popular ones. Um, and it's just really fascinating to see how much they put off. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then you look at that and you say, okay, how many times have we ran across a property that only plants three acres of food plots? Yeah. And and so those weights that we just referenced aren't in re- those aren't one or two acre or half acre food plots. Those are probably production fields, to where browse pressure isn't played into that. Yeah. And so then we look and say, if we have let's just say two acres well, of uh, soybeans, really, I guess it doesn't really matter if it, if browse pressure is played into it because a mature forest. You know, still whether it's browse pressure or not, still fifty to one hundred. This is just the the capability of each one. Okay, you let's know just I mean? say two acres of soybeans of maximum production on a property that's sixty acres. How many tons is that? That's seven, absolute maximum. 
14, 14,000 tons. So that that's how many deer? 28,000 pounds. Divide that by two, 14. 14 deer. Yeah. On 70 acres. Is that, that what I said? And, or six? Well, you said on, on... No, 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 no. Just two acres. We're confusing right. ourselves here. <laughs> um, because you have the numbers and I've just given you yeah, information. We're, we're, we're right. Okay. Yeah. So no, be really 14. can't hold that. That's 14 deer. Yeah. And you know it's just going to be a doe group. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, and that, that's, again, saying that, that the rest of that 50 acre, 58 acres is unmanaged, very minimal because habitat let's just face done. it that's what most of the habitat is throughout the country yeah 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 and unmanaged so, habitat yeah mature forest yes and so to me that right there is just like it, two acres really doesn't do much well to me it's like okay that that food plot has a has an impact on my property like no doubt that's oh absolutely that's, best two acres on the place as far oh, as no doubt forage right Right, and that's why you see deer, and they come there. That's why it's a great hunting strategy. But when it comes to full property management, and and basically the capability of what your what your property can do, you're you're still lacking. You're still you're still not hitting its optimal state. No, by and, just and putting about two, it like two this, acres of food plots. It's if if it's closed canopy forest, there's not much cover. Right. So even if a deer comes there, it doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. It'd be like sticking the best steak in the world in the dark alley in New York City. You want to go down that I alley. I want to go it, but there ain't no chance I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah. And and I may get hungry later on in the winter and think I'm going to go get it, but I'm still on edge and I'm probably I well, mean what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to run to that steak, I'm going to grab it and I'm going to run out. I'm not going to stay there. No. And I'm certainly not betting close. No. No. I'm no, not no. getting a hotel right next door. No. Or the Definitely motel. Not. I was going to say, yeah, it's not a hotel, it's a motel. It's a motel. And so think about it like that. And that's where the habitat management comes in and getting these early, getting this early succession, old field, young forest, all these things to make deer feel more comfortable, spend more time in your place. Then if you do add the food plot, now you have deer living more on your place and have a better mm-hmm. chance of punching a tag. Exactly. Besides going to a neighbor's. And again, I'm, I'm all for neighbors being successful, but I still have control over what happens on my property i want to make it the best that it can be well let's punch the numbers of how much that's going to cost to do that and we'll see if you're fine with your neighbors being <laughs> successful yeah let's go back to the to <laughs> the days a of lot cutting. of money to have yeah. him punching the tags yeah yeah let's go let's go back to the days of uh you know mowing lawns and giving golf lessons and stuff and not and and realizing that there ain't much money left over to be able to put these food plots in sitting at the pool watching babes yeah <laughs> Tweeting your little whistle. Yeah, walk. Yeah. That's what it was. Break. Yeah. Adult so, swim. Y- you know, that's a th- that's a lot of money because we're getting ready to go into how much, what the average cost is based on, on the information at, that we just took out of Dr. Harper's book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that right was, there. We started punching the numbers and you're like, hey, he's got this information right there. I was like, well, we'll just reference it. So, yeah. So, basically. Anyway, it's in the top. Yeah. When we're talking about preparing a field to plant and these again are averages they're estimates but when we're talking about doing that for food plots liming fertilizing all that jazz it is 300 to 350 dollars to basically get that food plot that acreage ready 300 350 dollars an acre to have a successful stand of whatever crop it is that you're a great yield 
to hunt over. That's, that's the money that would have to be put into that acreage to have that successful food plot. And when we talk about doing that, I mean, that, that's an open field, just converting an open field, $300, $350 an acre. What happens when it's timbered and we have to actually call in a dozer or an excavator to get timber out? Then we're looking at additional charges, and that's anywhere from, oh gosh, I think thousand dollars for. I think he's. I think he it's says at the top. I think it's four hundred. I'll I'll read it to you. Okay, I wrote it down, not you. And I can't read your handwriting. Oh come on. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, that's right. We we estimated that it was it was between four hundred and six hundred dollars an acre to have it, uh, basically from for, straight timber. And this is just dirt work, basically, removing the trees, getting it ready to put the other 300 some dollars into the food plot. 400 to $600 to do that dozing work. Per acre. Per acre. So if you're going from timber to a food plot, you'd have that $400 to $600. Let's just, say, let's just call it $500. $500 plus the $300 to, for the amendments for the soil. That's, again, averages. Now you're looking at... 800 almost $900 to get that food plot, food plot started. That's just one acre. One acre. One acre. That's a lot of dough. Yeah. You could, you with, could sit there. With you could minimal sit in a, impact. Yeah. You could sit there for a summer on that lifeguard stand and whistle at babes <laughs> all you wanted, that's, but I don't think you're putting that food plot in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we never did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of grass to be mowed. Mm-hmm. Darn That's nine. a lot of pocket cash to be snuck, snuck away to where the wife don't know about it. Yeah, and th- I don't dare do that. <laughs> that's dangerous <laughs> ground there. But that's why I love a chainsaw. That's why I love herbicide and love getting in and doing the TSI, that that type of work. Because, you know, a chainsaw, you can do a lot with a chainsaw and a little bit of sweat equity. But when it comes to, and, and knowing that I could still have a big impact, Long-term impact. Long-term impact for multiple years. Ah, gosh, I'm going to probably resort to that chainsaw doing a lot of work for me and me getting out there and sweating than then paying upwards of $1,000 an acre to get a food plot started. And well, that, I mean, that's just I me. have it right here for five acres. That's 1500 to $1,750 in seed, fertilizer, herbicide, mm-hmm. getting it prepped for yeah. a food plot. Yeah. But then that's also... Two to three thousand to clear it out with a dozer or excavator. Yeah, I mean, you punch those numbers. That's thirty five hundred dollars or forty seven hundred fifty. Either way, acres. Either way, it's out of my budget yeah. <laughs> for me. Like, and and not everyone faces that. And great if you do, and if you have the means. Obviously, we just showed you the numbers. That's a great tool. But if not, if you're trying to prioritize on a budget, then we got it. We we got to address it. And, and give you the numbers in which, you know, if I want five acres, well, here's what you're looking at. That's just that's just the bare bones, hard facts. Yeah. But that's why we have the stance and the belief of habitat management. You do work there. Your impact is greater and for a longer period of time. And can be more beneficial to more species. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, if you're devoting just two acres of your time and money on your property to soybeans, 
it may not be as it's great for the deer, but it may not be as beneficial to the quail or sure. as beneficial to the turkeys mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. as beneficial to the monarch butterflies or the honeybees. It's it, it, and to me, habitat management is not focusing on one species. It's focusing on all native species. And that's where all this other stuff can be fantastic for everything. Well, that's the thing. If, if you do a lot of the techniques, the, the work in the timber and, and old field management, you don't even have, you don't even have, you can be so focused on deer and that'd be okay because by default, all these other species are benefited. So it doesn't matter your approach, what you want to improve or not. Just know that as a, as a result of that, you might start seeing more quail. Cool. Or, or you're a quail guy listening to this podcast and you're so sure. focused on trying to improve it. And you're putting in escape cover and all this other stuff for the quail. And all of a sudden you're Cubby like, boy, there's, there's yeah. more deer around here. Yep. That's because you improved the habitat and the deer benefited from it as well. Exactly. Exactly. There's just a, there's just a lot of awesome things that, gosh, you can do on, on, on a budget. But again, we, ha- we have to address these numbers. And, and, and as we're getting into the season of food plot, not food plot, excuse me, habitat management and that time to really work. And make an impact on your property. We've got to we got to address it because prioritizing your time is important, and knowing the direct benefit and what. Okay, if I say I'm going to devote you know my time on these five acres, improve it, and get it back to maybe some younger forest or earlier successional stuff by cutting trees, treating stumps, so on and so forth. Now you know the impact of it, and now you know okay, there's a, there's a specific way in which I should lay this out. Um, because deer are going to use it at different times of the year, and I want to I want to be able to get in here and hunt it. And I want to access it, so on and so forth. Yeah. So I have some numbers. You ready for me to start going over these? Little Blow examples? my mind. Yeah. So my curiosity got the best of me here, but so this is we just took some numbers. We have forty acres, uh, and then a two hundred acre example. But let's just, yeah. Let's just say you own forty acres. Forty is- acres of closed canopy forest. Just mature timber, timber yep. and leaves. Mm. That's going to provide, what was it? It was 50 to 100 pounds per acre. So What's the total? 40, that's 3,000 pounds total. That's enough food for, on average, one and a half deer. Again, that's not saying that you're only going to see a deer and a half throughout an entire year. And if you see a deer and a half, something's, something's up. But... That's just saying what that what that property, that general capacity is and can support throughout a year. Yeah, that's pretty pitiful. That's tough. We look at young forest, 40 acres of young forest, 40,000 pounds. That's Ooh, quite a bit that more. That jumped up. That jumped up. So what, that 20 Big year? difference. Cut a foot. <laughs> Big well, difference. And if you if you have that 40 acres and you and you do timber work on it, I mean, you you put money in your pocket too. That's that's that process. exactly what I was getting ready. Remember when I said my curiosity got the better oh, of yeah, me? Yeah, That's kind of a, the the difference in in what I was punching is so young forest. So we prob maybe we did a harvest and we actually made money. Mm-hmm. And we we made enough money to buy the forty acres right next to me. Oh, or oh. whatever. Yeah, and forty thousand pounds total of forage. Yep. Dry weight forage. That's enough food for 20 deer. Yeah. Yeah. On 40 acres. Now, it's not going to be you're going to go out there and there's going to be 20 deer standing there. <laughs> no, no. And it's not going to support that every single, you know, every month of the season. That's or not every year, yeah. depending on the growing condition, sure. the drought or heavy rain, whatever it is. Sure. 
That's the difference. So enough food for 20 deer. Let's just, yeah. okay. Young forest, 40 acres, young forest with fire, 60,000 pounds mm-hmm. total. Mm-hmm. That's enough food for 30 deer Yeah. on average. Yep. Now let's look at, because I don't know if I've ever seen a property of, four, of 40 acres of old field. So we cut that in half to do 20 acres of yeah. old field. So That's, so basically we've got 20 acres of old field and then, then 20 acres of what else on this 40 acres now? This comparison? 20 acres of young forest. Okay. So, all right. First, gotcha. I'm going to do 20 acres of old field. That's 60,000 pounds total. That's enough for 30 deer. So old field is the same as young forest with fire. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. But we're only doing half the property right there. Half that. of the property. Is- now we're going to add the other, the additional so 20 acres. So we add young forest without fire, and that's 20,000 pounds total, enough for 10 deer. So if we had 40 acres, 20 acres devoted to old field, and 20 acres devoted to young forest, we have enough forage for 40 deer. Wow. So that's an, a deer per acre. Again, that's not what's realistically going to happen. But However, that's how the forage equals, that's the amount of forage total for the amount of forage consumed per, per year. year. Exactly. And so that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good ratio. Well, you just look at the impact, the impact of a, a deer and a half when it was mature forest to what now? What was that? 30 deer? 40 deer. 40 deer? On yeah. old field and young forest. So again, that goes back to prove the point of diversity. I've got I've got to have different types of habitat, or I should have different types of habitat, different levels of, of succession on my property to, okay, they're going to use this area. They're going to more basically be here during the summer, here during the winter, whatever. And I've got all that covered. I've got my bases covered throughout the entire year by having different management techniques and, and my property in different stages. I believe it would be, if that was young forest with fire, I think that would be 45 deer on 40 acres. That gotcha. the fire yeah. just increased the... Well, let's just say <clears throat> let's just say we do 18 acres of of uh, young forest and then throw in two acres of food plot. We're, we're up higher than that then, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just the, that diversity of, of throwing the different types of techniques and management in there, whether it's a hunting management, adding the food, or um, a different type of habitat management. But that those numbers just prove that by doing something, you make a huge impact. Yeah. Doing something is better than nothing. Yeah. So again, if you have 40 acres or if you have 80 acres, think about your property. What does that 40 acres consist of? What does your property consist of? Where are you at or what could you be at? I, I hope that right there... We're not even done yet, but gets the wheels turning as like, man, I'm my property's not nearly where it should be at. And that kind of goes with the whole last weekend I spoke at the uh, our inaugural QDMA banquet, mm-hmm. and I showed a picture of a timber harvest going on and how it looked pretty much nasty. A lot of treetops, a lot of trees down. There wasn't many trees left standing. Looked like a tornado going and through there. It was kind of that whole exactly tornado. Uh, high winds, fire, ice storm, ice storm, whatever it is, and you think, oh, that's nasty. Nature loves chaos. We've said it before. And I wait go, wait till this spring. Wow, I can't <laughs> wait to watch it grow back. Yeah, yeah. Because I know there's going to be much more food and much more cover. So For now sure. we go to 200 acres. Okay. We've got 200 acres of mature forest. 200 acres, keep in mind. 
Yep. That's just 15,000 pounds total. So 200 nice. acres has enough forage for seven, seven and, a and a half deer. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 200 of young forest. That's 200,000 pounds total. That's enough for 100 deer. Mm. We look at... Big jump. Yeah, huge jump. Mm-hmm. And we're, Again, we're not going out saying advocates of saying you need 200 acres of young forest. That's not what this is saying. It's just, again, providing that example of doing, doing habitat work. And a lot works. of times we're going to be somewhere in the middle between young forest and mature forest. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we look at... 200 acres of young forest with fire. That's 300,000 pounds. That's enough food for 150 deer. Bring on, on the two, fire. On 200 acres. Yeah. That's a pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good chunk. Pretty good lick, as yeah. I've heard before. Yeah. Uh, now we look at just 100 acres of old field first. That's 300,000 total pounds. That's enough food for 150 deer. Boom, now shabam. we look at adding, let's say that's a 200-acre property, and the other 100 acres is young forest. That's 100,000 pounds. That's enough food for 50 deer. So a total of 200 deer are two, basically enough food for, on 200 acres, enough food for 200 deer. Now let's, um, my, my brain right there with those numbers, we just split that property in half, 200 acres. 100 acres on the left is old field. 100 acres on the right is young forest. That's a lot of deer. However, again, this is where you have to match the layout of these features. If we orient that, break that 50-50 ratio up across that 200 acres in the right way on a property, you know, based on terrain, based on slopes, so on and so forth, that property would be unbelievable i'm not again you're not going to go out there and see a hundred deer or it's not going to have a hundred deer on it throughout the entire year that's not what we're saying but it has a huge potential and a huntability potential potential if it's laid out appropriately now let's think of what i'm thinking of crop country and we have acres and acres and acres of soybeans and all that forage seven tons per acre at the then, maximum at the maximum and that was forage soybeans so okay, you know yeah okay. let's just say okay. four four tons per acre sure. and then all of a sudden all that gets harvested Gone. and all those deer that have been consuming those soybeans and living around there are now pushed into trying to consume and live on the forage in a or closed sp- canopy Woodlot. Yep. Or or the just the little bit of spilled grain stuff they are, there no, is. No wonder you see deer in the middle of a 500 acre field, because that's where it had to go to find food. Mm-hmm. It had to get way out of its comfort zone. It had to go down that dark alley in New York City to get that. Yeah. Sure steak. Did. Sure so did. that's kind of I just automatically go wow that's 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 scary to me to think of a deer herd that's living on all this food and then the table gets wiped it, clean and now they got to go to a closed canopy forest which has, probably has a lot of cedar trees. And and what's tough is the fact of you see people being successful over that method, I guess. <laughs> and, and it's I guess it's hard to convince or or share, "Hey, you know, I, I know that's worked before. That's worked great and people use that every single year as a method to harvest great deer, incredible deer." There's World-class deer getting killed on that method. Year in, year out. But as you However, and I talk... it could be better. We go, what What could happen? A 220-inch deer, What could he be a 240? I don't know. 
I think he could. I'd like to meet him one day. Yeah, I'd like to manage a property <laughs> up there and say, okay, boys. Yeah, well, let's you know, see in, what in we can do. In the ag world, we always say failure is the best teacher. And, and, and it's hard to teach somebody this practice or this these principles when they're already killing giant They're deer. already successful. But if all you're shooting or seeing is forky horns, and, and in your mind, that's not a successful they season. They quit listening to the podcast. Already, and they're, they're firing up that chainsaw. They left. Yeah. They're gone. They're already gone. <laughs> they're down at the Steel or Husqvarna dealership. Yeah. Going, I want the biggest one, the yeah. meanest one you got. Because I'm getting ready to drop <laughs> some trees. Right. So I, I that's everything I got on my on my sheet right there. I, I think, and we're, we're need to be wrapping up one, it's about it's probably an hour now but two we gotta get back to the stand but i think just the 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 number it's a numbers game again that that just goes back to show okay multiple things are have to be in play or should be in play if you want to see a difference diversity and active management yes a food plot isn't going to get it done and mineral isn't going to get it done but a combination of a bunch of different things, different habitat management techniques, and the food plots and the mineral, which we use. Myrtle, myrtle, like you said, myrtle. It's my southern twang. But if you get all that working together, now you're cooking with peanut oil. Yeah, I, and, and let's do a nutshell, just a recap. When we look, oh, I have all the papers right here. So, in a here, recap, here's the recap. When we Cut look some at, trees. yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the. Here's here's the other recap. Digest and start looking into your area and what was there before your ancestors got there. What was there before whoever... Before what, that plow sunk in the dirt. Yeah, what was there? What was there during the time of the buffalo or the time of the elk or the time of the wolf or the time of the whatever it is before the wagon train came to town? What was there? Because don't know that's that. probably going to be the most efficient habitat and landscape that that area has seen. Be. Yeah. And, 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 and that's our management practice is trying to get back to that or as close to that as possible. In the right layout to still be successful hunting. And and for a lot of times, like for us on, on my family farm, that's still trying to get back to that while remaining as a cattle farm. So it's not like, hey, Dad, cows, bye-bye. We're bringing in the buffalo. Although one day I'd love to do that. That's not practical. So we're trying to get back to as native as we can while still remaining as a business, as a cattle farm. Now, follow along because that's going to be the part and the and the challenge and the and the <laughs> the goal for us to do that. That's something I'm very excited about. But in a nutshell, let's just go through this again and say that turnips, wheat, soybeans, alfalfa, red clover, white clover, and then we'll talk about the amount of forage produced in different types of native or forest and old field so on one acre for turnips that's one and a half to five tons of dry matter per acre wheat is three tons soybeans is three to seven tons alfalfa five to six red clover five tons white clover and durana two and a half tons now keep in mind this is one thing we talk about prioritizing food plots and you don't have as much time to plant all you don't have time to plant soybeans or that that year in the fall. So try a, a year of just clover. That's not as much work to do that to establish that. You can frost seed that in March or February, and and maybe have a pretty good stand for the spring 
and may go through a little bit of a delay or uh, dead period during late summer, but then watch it come back in, in the fall and have a great stand. That's another way to prioritize just your food plot situation. And that's a cheap, that's a cheap fix. Frost seed, I love that technique. Yeah. So there's another way. Even during the recap, we threw another a new bit. Zinger. At you. So that's that's how much tons per acre those food plot um, things, uh, food plot species can bring. But keep in mind, it's gonna it's on average is three hundred to three hundred and fifty dollars per acre to get to get the soil basically prepped, to, ready to get it prepped, planted, everything. Yep. yep. So that could get pretty costly if you're looking. At 5, 10, 20, 50 acres. Oh, yeah. That gets sure. expensive real quick. So, then we look at mature timber. 50 to 100 pounds per acre per year. Young forest. We're looking at 1,000 pounds an acre of you know food tonnage per year. Young forest with prescribed fire, 1,500 pounds per acre per year. And old field management, we're up to 3,000 pounds per acre per year. So that's going, trying to relate that back to tonnage. The old field is 1.5 tons per acre compared to food plot species, which are going to be up there. At the lowest one is 2 to 5, and that's white clover. Now, keep in mind, there's a huge difference in the amount of price. Well, price, but two, in which times both of those are mo- most likely to be used. Clover, springtime, that's when a lot of and, old field management fall, is getting established and fall. fall. Right, yep. and then fall warm-up. But that old field management is producing a lot of tonnage, a lot of food during the summer months when that clover is going to be dormant. So there's that combination, that balance of both of those species and working that, together. And that old field management is going to turn to cover during and the fall and winter. Yep. Um, and then, so yeah, those those... Basically, that kind of gives you an idea of, of all the different, the amount of food that each one of those things can bring, whether it be a food plot or managing the timber, not managing the timber, managing the timber with fire or an old field. And and just the, I mean, guess we're scratching the surface on the complexity of all this and the decisions as we go to a property to do a consultation of what it looks like and, and the thoughts that go through our head. I mean, it, it, it's a lot. To basically balance out, we're looking at the neighborhood, look at the property, the ease in which the time in which a client may have to be able to do all this and trying to make the, the best decision and the recommendations for him to move forward and reach his goals. What's there, what's not there, what mm-hmm. type of hunting style he likes. There's yep. a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of balls in the air when we're juggling trying to figure out the best situation. So anyway, Matt and I got to get to the stand. Anyth- One other thing. Sportsman's Nation. On the Sportsman's Nation, go check them out on Facebook. Give them a like. Um, check out the, the website, too. Yeah. I, honestly, I love just going to the website. It look, It's so professional. Like, it was done right, and it looks great, easy to use. It's, it's awesome. Share it with your friends. Share it with your buddies. So that's what Matt does at night. He just goes to the website and goes, oh, look at these Lane and Legacy guys. <laughs> you got to get a like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Wherever you're listening from, give them a review, please. Um, if if you're going to leave a bad one, just go ahead and shoot us an email. We'd love to talk to you and see what <laughs> yeah. we can do to improve it. <laughs> so, Or hopefully answer any questions or concerns you may have. Anyway, that wraps up this week's episode of the Land and Legacy Podcast. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering the podcast, or find us on Facebook and Instagram.
feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God?